This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our February 8th, 2023 edition, and February, February has certainly started off uh, on an interesting note. Uh, we remain in the midst of earnings season, so we're getting a lot of final numbers for earnings for 2022 for many companies, uh, but most importantly, we're getting projections of what 2023 will look like. And obviously there's color that's coming out of many of these conference calls that uh, pertain to what the the economy looks like in real terms, in real time, excuse me, and then going forward, what business will look like. Uh, and so those dynamics are always interesting in, in, in shuffling markets. But this is also an interesting time because Longer-term dynamics are obviously changing as well. Now, the big question everyone's asking themselves, more medium-term, would be, is the bear market over? Or is this a bear market rally? Now, that's always difficult to, to say in, in real time. But there are things to consider when you're trying to decide. And maybe it's not as important. Maybe more important, and likely more important, are finding the right investments for you, the right strategy for you. Getting the timing right, and especially when the liquidity within the system is so important, and central bank action, not just here in the U.S., but across the world, is so important to that liqu those liquidity dynamics, it's, it can be difficult to keep track and to stay on top of. And so... While we definitely follow those as professionals, it's difficult for the average person, but it's a lot easier, not easy, a lot easier to focus on what matters, which is investing in good companies that have consistent profitability and long-term growth. Not one or the other, but ideally both. And when you can combine good business analysis with proper portfolio construction and discipline, that's when you get a strategy that can succeed consistently. Liquidity is going to ebb and flow. That's always going to be a thing. But it's about having the portfolio that will thrive in the current business environment. So these are all factors that go into a consistent approach. And that's honestly what most of the average investors are, are lacking, is the consistency. There's a lot of data out there. You see a lot of things, you hear a lot of things or your cousin, your brother, your neighbor, your friend, 
tell you about something. And it sounds fun. It sounds sexy. It sounds interesting. But most people lack the consistency to ask themselves basic questions. Does it fit my strategy? Does it fit my goals? Does it fit my risk tolerance levels? And so that mindset is paramount. And so that's what we try to do at each and every day, which is to help you set the right mindset so you can make those consistent investment decisions. So I'm Justin Klein. I'm here on today's radio show and podcast to help you make, your, make the most of your capital. So I look forward to doing this Invest Talk podcast this hour and hearing your finance and investment questions, which you can get through right now on our 24-7 listening line at 888-99 chart. Or if you're listening live during our 4 to 5 Pacific time live stream, you can always give us a call. Same number, 888-99 chart. Now, my main focus point concerns the story behind this headline. More than 60% of U.S. REITs raised the dividend, raised their dividends in 2022. But which parts of the REIT sector thrived most of all. So we're going to look at that. Also, the dollar. The dollar has been strong. And how has that impacted earnings? And guess what? If you understand foreign currency headwinds and tailwinds, you'll know multinationals, they had been struggling in the face of a strong dollar for most of last year and parts of the fourth quarter as well. Also, banks. Bank, bank earnings reports are... Always interesting, they're always complex. They're not like a normal sector. Most sectors selling physical goods, often services. But in banks, in a lot of ways, their assets are not tangible. Their assets are financial. And those financials ebb and flow, and that feeds the their balance sheet and their earnings statements and their cash flow statements, etc. So many of the banks are taking big losses in the fourth quarter on their bonds. So we're going to look at that data. And then lastly, if we have time, how are individuals dealing with, how did they deal with the bear market last year when it comes to their 401k? Okay. So we're going to look at that. So those are things in the docket for me, but ultimately, I want to know what's on your mind. And that's how we're going to get to some voice bank questions. One is on SPACs, another is on SBSW, and we have some iTunes review questions as well. So I have a action-packed podcast for you today, and let's pivot over to the market real quick and give you uh, an update. You had the SME down about 46 points, a little over 1%. And small caps down 1.32%, so definitely the worst part of the market today. You had a mixed bag when it came to earnings. You had gold up just a bit. And you had, let's see, what did the dollar do today? Dollar up uh, just a tad. So we remain kind of in now, in, we're starting to enter a consolidation phase over the past week. We've really gone nowhere over the past five trading sessions. So when you get that chop, that was that is called consolidation. Now, consolidation after not move, which we've obviously have have had over the past month and a half, is typically a good thing. Right? It's a it's a continuation pattern. It's it's 
It's gathering steam, gathering energy to make that next move. So until further notice, it's probably a bullish consolidation, but that can always change and you have to be prepared for that and ready to call balls and strikes. What's in front of you and trade accordingly. Now, the stock market is constantly in flux, and so you have you obviously have finance and investment questions that you need answered, and that's why you're here listening to Invest Talk. So you set the agenda. Our phone lines are always open on Invest Talk at eight 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 ninety nine chart. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know. Building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. With total downloads nearing 50 million, each InvestTalk podcast should be one of your key financial planning and educational tools. InvestTalk is a free download, and hosts Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to provide their unbiased guidance and professional analysis developed from real-time data research and years of investing experience. 24-7, rain or shine, during smooth sailing or on rough weather days, the Invest Talk listener line is open and waiting for your questions. You set the agenda. Don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy, discipline, and the right information. That means you'll have finance and investment questions. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. We're going to go talk to Dave. He is in Minnesota. He wants to talk about internet banking. Hey, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, it's actually in infinite banking or being oh. your own bank. Okay. Um, uh. I, I'm kind of wondering your thoughts on this uh, financial strategy and whether you'd recommend like using whole life or universal life with us. Neither. This is the biggest scam, the biggest, uh, the biggest just marketing ploy, being your own bank. It's just a way for them to get you to put more money into their universal and whole life policies and collect more fees. You're just borrowing your own money and they're holding on to and collecting fees while that's happening. So that you can do the same thing by putting the money into a bank and, and rolling it into uh, you know, CDs, doing a CD ladder, and you're not going to be charged fees. You know, And you can always take the money out. So whole life, universal life, nobody should ever buy those policies. Let, let me tell you this. Insurance is not an investment. Everyone should internalize this. Insurance is not an investment. Insurance is insurance. So if you need insurance, and a lot of people do, right? You maybe want to protect your kids or your, your, your spouse. In the case of your demise, a lot of people probably need that. And what they need is a term life policy. Drastically cheaper. 10% of the cost of whole or universal life. And 
you can take the rest and you can go invest it. Put in your 401k, IRA, uh, 403b, HSA, whatever. And you're going to do a lot better, a lot lower fees, a lot better performance. You know, put it into a Roth IRA. Guess what? You can take the money out of a Roth IRA that you have contributed to at any time. So if you really need money, just take it out of your Roth IRA. Don't buy into the hype. You're going to get sold this. You're going to get pitched it by your friends, family, cousins, brother. It's, it's, a, it's a common way for pe- young people to get into the industry. Uh, and it is, it's a very high commission business. So there's a lot of incentive for people to go out there and try to sell these whole universal life policies. But I have never, never in my career, and I've been doing this over 20 years, I have never had a client that was happy that they purchased whole or universal life. Never, not one, hasn't happened. And it's funny because I've been doing the show for so long, I feel like I've, Steve and I have, have said this many times, but I know we get a lot of new listeners and maybe they haven't listened for, for that long. But that's why I'm being so adamant now in trying to make this hit home. I will repeat this many times. I have never met a person as a client or a non-client that was happy that they purchased whole or universal life policy. That's simple. Now, when people take, people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we have to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. Beirut Don says, I was looking for a long-term nuclear play and came across this one that seems fairly priced. BW, BWXT, they're a major supplier of nuclear-related, pro, nuclear-related products in the U.S. Navy. Looks a little overpriced, maybe at 61 but seems like a solid company. Would you recommend it? And if so, what price? Let's see here. Manufacturer of power generation systems and nuclear components for U.S. government, industrial, and utility. Okay. And you know I like the nuclear industry because I do think it's going to be a vital part of any green transition that we're going to need to make. My worry here would be what type of exposure do they have to U.S. government contracts, military contracts, military installations? This stock has really gone nowhere since 2017. 2017 is traded in the high 50s, and now it's at 59 and change. And so their earnings has earnings have certainly slowed. You know. I like where you're looking. Yeah, but I just don't think it's it's really cheap enough. Uh, trading about 13.3 times EBITDA, which is about its long-term average. It needs to get, it's cheap right around 10. So it needs about 30% cheaper than here. here. So you're talking mid to low 40s. That's where I'd pick it up. But good name to have on your watch list. Now we're moving into a break. So hang on. We've got more questions for you. On the best stock at 888.99 chart.
Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy and discipline. Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. So we're going to go to, are we going to do a live call? All right. We're going to go to Alberto. How you doing, Alberto? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. How you doing? I'm doing good. Justin, how are you? Doing well. You want to talk about portfolio management? Yeah, so I'm a relatively new investor. I started my account in late 2020. Uh, 2021 was all-time highs, 2022 was inflation and lows. So my question is, just simply, uh, how can I measure if my portfolio is good? I'm on the positive side of the market right now. My portfolio is at 6.37% uh, profit. So can I just look at that and, and see if it's a good measure to see if my portfolio is successful or not? Well, you're going to want to benchmark it, right? Because in an up market, for example, in 2020 and in tw- in the first part of 2021, you could a monkey could have thrown a dart at the board and, and your stock probably would have gone up, right? So you always want to benchmark it to something. And you're going to want to benchmark it to the type of assets that you're holding. If you have a bunch of bond funds, right, you're not going to bench that, mar- that to the S&P. But if you have a bunch of large cap stocks, the S&P is probably a good benchmark. But if you start mixing in mid caps, small caps, foreign stocks, you know, then you know you're going to have a, a, probably a, a different benchmark. Maybe something that's more broad based, uh, a Russell 3000, for example, uh, or uh, VTI, right? That's a that's a, a broad base uh, ETF. So it depends on what you're holding. You know, so far this year, six point six percent plus. That's eh, okay. It's not. It's not amazing, right? I think that's a little bit lower than the S&P. But once again, I don't know what what you're holding exactly. So you're really going to have to understand what you're holding, which you should if you're investing at all. You know, know, are you in large cap stocks? Are you in value? Are you in growth? You know, what type of portfolio do you have constructed? Because then you're talking about risk. You know, we know that large cap growth is riskier than large cap value, but Small cap growth is probably riskier than, you know, mid cap value. Okay, so you you have to understand the type of risk that you're taking uh, overall, and then you can start to benchmark it against something. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I do have uh, ETFs, and I do have uh, equities, but yeah, it's it's. I was just wondering, like I said, being a novice investor, obviously being on the positive side of the market is good, but I just wanted to understand if, like I said, 6.37% right now, starting my account since late 2020 to date, it was a good measure. So, okay, got it. Yeah, it's hard to say, right? Because uh, the SP was up 29% in 2021. It was down 18% last year. It's up 8.5% this year. So... You know, up six probably not that good. If you're if you're if you're uh, you know really looking at it, um, to be frank. So, 
you know, you have to improve. You have to keep improving, keep learning. You, nobody out the gate is going to be beating the market. That's just the long and short of it. To, to right now, it's more of an exercise of learning and getting better. And that's what you need to focus on. And you need a benchmark to see, are you getting better? Or are you getting worse? And try not to also look too short of a time frame because depending on how you're positioning and your strategy, it's not always going to outperform every single quarter. So it's really more about you learning different opportunities, different asset classes, how they trade, how they move, uh, what are the risks versus reward of different uh, parts of the market, et cetera. That's in the phase that you're in now. Uh, and that's going to be the most important thing. Thanks for the call. Let's go to James in New York looking at, looks like a mutual fund, correct? Yes, it's one of the selections in my 401k, which is very limited, but it's UBVFX, Undiscovered Manager's Behavioral Value Fund, small cap value. Okay. Um, I am rebalancing and I've shifted a decent portion of my contributions and existing balance into that fund. I just wanted to hear if that's a, you know, a solid choice. Yeah, this is a four to five star ranked on Morningstar. It is a small cap value fund, which is right in the ballpark of, of where you want to be. If you're an aggressive investor, definitely the, the kind of best part of the market to, to be invested in at least a uh, medium term. Uh, and this has a good track record. Uh, let me look at the expense ratio 0.8%. It's a little high. Uh, but despite the high expense ratio, the performance has been good. If you look back in history compared to its peers, it's almost every, I would say, let's see, over the past 10 years, only one year was it in the bottom half performance-wise. It was in the top half every single year. Now, this year, it is in the bottom half so far, but you know, you're only uh, six, six weeks in or so. So, this is a good fund to be in. Uh, definitely an area that I would be allocating more money to if, if you have limited choices in your 401k. Thanks All right, thank you much. Now, the next Invest Talk, the story behind this question. Can investors protect against risk that cannot be quantified? That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. Ready to take your questions live at 888 chart Got a question for Steve or Justin? Just kind of wondering if this stock is a value trap. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think 
in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. Now, my focus point concerns the story behind this question. More than 60% of U.S. REITs raised their dividend in 2022. And this is always good because, you know, REITs are a diverse sector. Even though it's all real estate and there's a lot of commonalities, right? These are, they own properties to collect rents and it's a pass-through entity meaning REITs pay 90% of their income out as dividends, and they don't pay any tax at the corporate level. That's what a real estate investment trust is. And so that, that's what makes them pretty good investment vehicles. And there are 99 publicly traded REITs in the marketplace. And... 60% of them last year raised their dividend. Now, once again, there's different subsectors of the REIT space that have different dynamics. Some are doing well in this environment, others not so well. Which sector raised their dividend the most as the highest percentage of them raised it, which was the self-storage REITs, five out of six or six of them trading in the marketplace, five of them raised a dividend last year. Who came in second? Well, the industrial REITs. And there's a lot more of them, but they came in second. 81.8% of those raised their dividend last year. And retail came in third. A little over 80% of the segment raised their dividends. Now, what part of the REIT market is noticeably absent? You know, you thinking, no, it's not. Well, it's two. One is a sector that a lot of people chase dividends. And the other has some medium term, maybe even long term headwinds. Now, the one where people chase dividends is the mortgage rate sector. And why did they struggle last year? Interest rates went up. Short-term interest rates went up. Remember, they are typically a, they're kind of like a bank. They're borrowing short and lending long, lending into the mortgage market. And when the yield curve is 
steepening that typically is good for them. And vice versa. Last year, the yields curve inverted almost all year. So they struggle. And it just goes to show you that when you're taking risks to chase yield, you have to understand the type of investments you're going after and what the risks are. And then there's office REITs, which is a very large part of the REIT market. And there are many, especially those that are focused on, say, Manhattan real estate, real estate in big cities where many tech companies sign big leases and now they're moving out. Their employees are increasingly working remote. And so office REITs are struggling. So those are the two that are absent from this list that are most glaring. And it just goes to show you that you have to understand that there are idiosyncrasies within sectors and within companies. And when you start to drill down into them, because you think you are getting a leg up over the broad index, because you can go buy you know, IYR and get a broad swath of REITs. When you're buying individual names, it can go cut both ways. And so it's very important to understand these dynamics. And, and remember, real estate REITs tend to be pretty good investments in an inflationary environment because they're able to raise their rents. But they're all not they're all not created equal. Now this is Invest Talk. Let's keep things moving and put it back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank at eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hey Stephen Justin, Jeff from Florida. Calling about a question about SPACs and how they work. The way I understand it, if if I were to buy a say IPOF at a one percent discount to the ten dollar like threshold and they don't find a target, how does that process work? That's like a 1% return, right? That's like a, I'm getting a 1% interest for a year, a year or the time horizon that the SPAC has to find a, a target for their, their to these SPAC. How does that process work? The way I've understood it, it it's very um, seamless, it sounds like. And is there any risk at all to that? That's also been portrayed to me as there's no risk at all. No matter what, I can get $10 per share for whatever I buy before they choose a target. If you could just go into that a little bit for me, that'd be a big help. Thank you. Yeah, great question, because there are a lot of SPACs out there still looking for a target, and most of them trade right around that $10 mark. And he's correct that when they finally find a target, make an offer, you can decide to get your money back, par, par is basically $10, and the assets that are invested in the re or in the, the SPAC are invested in treasuries. So that's very safe, right? The cash, because that's what a, a SPAC before they de-SPAC basically is. It's just a entity with a bunch of cash. And so if you can buy it for a little bit less than 10 bucks and basically redeem at 10, you're going to earn some yield. And so what happens is it does kind of trade around 10 bucks until there's some news that might push it higher, um, typically not lower until, um, you know, there's, there's other, other dynamics, but yeah, that, that's kind of how it works. Uh, and so if you can buy it for 970, 980, you know, get a little bit of a discount. Yeah. You can guarantee yourself 10 bucks by just redeeming. 
Thanks for the call. Now let's touch a bit on banks. And, you know, we're in the midst of earnings season. And bank earnings are notoriously complex. And there are about 1,100 banks publicly traded. And about a quarter recognized $4.7 billion in total losses on their investment portfolios for the fourth quarter. Now, banks typically take cash, but they've had a lot of cash, a lot of excess reserves, and they invested in low-risk bonds. Now, here's the issue with low-risk bonds, is that low-risk bonds are very sensitive, are more sensitive than the average bond given the same duration, right? Because they have a lower yield. They're more sensitive to interest rate moves. So when last year, when interest rates moved dramatically, it wasn't just about when those bonds mature, but it's also what is the coupon rate? Because remember, if you're paying a nice coupon on a bond or getting a nice coupon on a bond and rates go up, well, at least you are getting cash flow that you can now go reinvest at a high rate. But if it's a low-yielding bond, you're not getting much cash flow to go and take advantage of those higher rates. So that's why they tend to be more, uh, more volatile in relation to interest rates. Now, banks poured a lot of money into bonds before rates jumped because, once again, they needed to do something with that cash. Now, a handful of these banks are the ones taking the majority of the losses. And the biggest one, J.P. Morgan took $2.4 billion in losses on their investment portfolio last year. That's the biggest of all the banks. They are the biggest of all the banks, so that kind of makes sense. Silvergate was number two. And this is the one that dealt with FTX and was the conduit to get money, fiat currency into FTX. And when there was kind of a run in the bank because they realized that they were, they didn't do a lot of good due diligence when, the, when this happened, uh, there was kind of a run in the bank and they had to sell a bunch of bonds and realize those losses at not the best time. Number three on the list was Bank of New York Mellon, $443 million loss. Now, banks only have to realize these losses when they plan to sell them. And that means the majority of the assets on the balance sheet are being held to maturity, meaning the impact to the value of those bonds doesn't hit the bottom line, doesn't hit profits. So banks still, even though they've taken, like I said, about $4.7 billion in losses, they still have about $670 billion of unrealized losses on their investment portfolios. So I wanted to give you that insight because it's really important to understand that dynamic and why you know some of them might look cheap, but you have to really look underneath the, the hood and see what type of losses are, uh, are lurking there. Now, for those who may be new to InvestTalk, let me assure you that I'm always careful to give you my straight and unbiased answer. I have no hidden agenda here. I'm not trying to push you on anything. And it will be mostly your questions that drive the direction of the podcast. When I bring up different topics, it's just more educational and topical, hopefully, to give you some perspective on what's happening in the market. And so mostly your questions drive the direction. So one thing I can say for sure is today's investing situation is very different from what we've had over the past several decades. We have higher inflation now, and that's likely to come down, but remain sticky above what we're used to, 1% to 
deglobalization, demographics, and our debt situation, right? We need to inflate our way out of the debt, and that's what the government's always done. So it's my goal to help you understand the current environment we're in and how to avoid the pitfalls of a volatile market and of all the things that are coming at you. I caller earlier about universal whole life. That's one of them. So I invite your phone calls or questions right now on our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where principals and Invest Talk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are independent financial advisors. For clients, they are fiduciaries. Steve and Justin have a duty and a commitment to always place the interests of their clients ahead of the firm. This is different from the way many other organizations operate. And one way you can realize the benefit of an association with KPP Financial is to know that KPP practices parallel investing. This means that the personal investment accounts of KPP principals participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. It's an important difference. You can learn more anytime at investtalk.com or reach out to Steve Peasley and Justin Klein by emailing or calling their Irvine, California office. The Invest Talk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions, 888-99-CHART. Hey, this is uh, James from Georgia. I had a question about Bean Therapeutics, B-E-A-M, Kathy Woods pouring money into this stock, and I heard she's pouring money into another stock called CDNA, Care DX Incorporated. I uh, was curious, uh, your take on these two stocks. Is this something that we should be looking into maybe getting a position with? We love the show, and I look forward to your answer. Thank you. If Kathy Wood is pouring money into it, I'd run for the hills. I'd probably short it. And, in fact, Beam is a good short candidate, right? Just losing money year after year. Uh, it's all about gene editing. And, you know, if you believe in that technology, their technology, then maybe they'll eventually get to profitability. But this is your standard biotech that talks a big game, but just burns capital and dilutes shareholders and issues more and more stock. So, uh, you know, and then Kathy Wood likes it. So, you know, she's a terrible analyst. So that's easy. Uh, it's probably a good short. Uh, now, the other one, which is CDNA, at least they've made a profit at some point. Okay. That's a positive, but the trend is lower. They developed diagnostic surveillance products used to monitor uh, transplant recipients. Okay. Uh, so to lose money this year and next year. Once again, Kathy Wood's buying it. Not something I would buy. Uh, I, I hope no one on this show thinks Kathy Wood is a smart analyst. I know she's on TV a lot. But once again, remember, the TV doesn't care whether you make money. They do not care. That's the last thing they care about. The only thing they care about is if you tune in. Because they make money on ads. They need ratings. So that's why they talk about the same handful of stocks over and over again. Because that's what gets ratings. So if you're getting your investment advice from CNBC or Bloomberg, you're going to have a tough time. So... 
And then on top of that, if you're then you're listening to Kathy Wood, you're gonna have a really tough time. So yeah, both of those looks like pretty good shorts to me. But let's head over to another voicemail question right now at eight eight eight. Hi, Justin and Steve. I wanted to get your opinion on SBSW for Sibanye Stillwater. I've had this company for two years now, and I'm down 20%. just wanted to see if you think I should hold on to it or if I should get rid of it. Thank you. Bye. All right. This is Sibanye Stillwater Limited. It's a South African mining company, and they produce gold uh, as well as silver. I knew they do. I knew they do have, I believe it's a zinc mine as well. They're a little bit well, more diversified than your average gold miner. Uh, it's been a while since I've really dug into this name. But understand that there is a lot of geographic risk here, geopolitical risk, being from South Af- being in South Africa and having its asset there. Uh, so, you know, I like it. It's high risk, but I like a lot of the other gold miners a bit better. Um, so, you know, it pays a dividend, but that dividend always fluctuates throughout history. So I wouldn't say this is going to consistently pay you 6 7% all the time. So I'd find a better money. So the call. We're heading into a break. So give me a call now at 888-99-CHART. No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. So don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen Justin. It is Art from Tucson calling about the gold and silver trade for, let's say, the next year. Where do you think it's going to go with the inflation seeming like it's coming down in relation to the strength of the dollar? Look forward to uh, what you guys think. Appreciate what you do. And I'll listen on the podcast. Well, silver and gold broke out in late last year, and a lot to do with the, the Fed pivot, right? Everything uh, was, their, their Fed tightening cycle was breaking things over in Japan, over in uh, Great Britain, and behind the scenes, they, they pivoted uh, and brought more liquidity into the market. So it's certainly going to ebb and flow with liquidity, but you know the economy is weakening, and that means that the market's going to increasingly price in a loose, looser policy going forward. Now, if you're in the belief that the economy can handle 5% Fed funds rate for an extended period of time, then that probably won't be good for gold and silver. However, I'm not in that belief. I don't think the economy can uh, hold that rate long term, especially with our debt levels. Right, The Fed's eventually going to have to come in and monetize the debt in some way. And that's what they've always done. Uh, and they're likely going to have to inflate away the debt. They did this in the 50s and, and 60s. Uh, and ultimately, that's the path they're likely to take going forward. And so all of that means there's likely to be negative real rates over the longer term. And that is good for gold and silver. So you know, in the next year, you're having a bit of a pullback as of late. But I still think uh, it goes higher over Thanks for the call. Now let's touch a bit on earnings. And about 55% of the S&P has posted earnings for the fourth quarter. And those that derive more than half of their revenues outside the United States are on pace to post about an 
drop in earnings. Those that produce the majority of their sales here in the U.S., their earnings are only supposed to drop about 3%. And Apple's a good example of one. And without their foreign currency adjustments, they actually would have had profits go up. Now, the dollar has come off some as of late. It's down 8% from its peak in September, but still up 7.5% from a year ago. And in the fourth quarter, the dollar just started weakening. So in general, it's still a headwind in the fourth quarter. Now, the Wall Street, dollar, Wall Street Journal's dollar index looks at 16 different currencies against the dollar. That jumped to its highest level in two decades late last year. And then obviously inflation started slowing, signs the Fed hiking cycle was coming to an end, and the dollar came off. And not surprisingly, the S&P has gone up 13%, really since the dollar peaked in September. It's not a coincidence here. That's why I always say, what's the dollar doing? Is it starting a new uptrend? Is it continuing a downtrend? That's going to be a big factor in where if and where this rally kind of peaks out. Weaker dollar, no sounds weird, is good for asset prices, good for earnings. Now, what sector is most exposed to a stronger dollar? Technology stocks. 58% of the S&P 500 technology company earning, uh, sales are derived internationally. So should it be a shock to you that technology has had a nice bounce here over the last couple of months? Part of it was tax loss selling and the pressure being eased on, on the sell side there. But a lot of it is, hey, the dollar's weakening and those earnings projections are coming up a bit. IBM had flat sales in the fourth quarter. And they said the, do the strong dollar hit their sales by about a billion dollars. And so IBM's CFO said it's the biggest, the, the magnitude of the change is the most they've seen in multiple decades. Other industries that were hurt by a stronger dollar, industrials. They were second. Caterpillar, $500 million come off their sales because of the strong dollar. And so that's a big factor that you have to consider when you're looking at, especially these large names. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. You can get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. InvestTalk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights.
For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.